0: This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film life, television culture, mental health and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today I've got my special guest and friend, Wendy Lanham.
1: Hello. Hello. Hi.
0: <laughs> I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm good. Yeah, it's the morning, so you know, I'm not the most... I don't love you... mornings. I'm not... I'm a night person.
0: You so... are a. Na- <laughs> <laughs> I. It's funny, you are never a morning person. I've...
1: No, and I've tried. I mean I've I have to get up early every day for work. Always. Um, but yeah. No, so coffee is my friend. It's not even that early, but <laughs> it's early Yeah, for it's me. like um what time is so it? So
0: it's like ten past ten. It's Oh
1: gosh, so early. <laughs>
0: you're like, oh it's like seven AM. I just had to get up. Nah, it's ten past ten in the day. like it's uh, almost the middle of the day. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. But you know, I have to wake up early every day. So I'm used to waking up, but it's like I'm not fully ignited yeah. until yeah. like
0: lunchtime. When when I have to get up for work every day, mm-hmm. like you're you complaining about getting up at like bum fuck in the morning, like it like what time do you normally wake up?
1: Six thirty. So it's not that early. No, like that's my partner gets up at four. He's a that's trainer. fine. Oh gosh,
0: <laughs> that's fine. I get up at three thirty, like in the morning. Yeah, some days for work. Oh well, yeah, true. Like, I wouldn't do it voluntarily. Like yeah, I
1: was like, what are you doing at that hour? You're I mean, like working
0: it, <laughs> what time does he clock off?
1: Um, It depends. Usually, like, four, but sometimes six p.m.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's quite a long day. Yeah, yes. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, we have known each other since 2017, which is now about yeah. f- almost five years. What? Which is Aww. surreal to me. So, um, you know, I always think of our like length of knowing each other as kind of like our professional sort of like learning stages yeah. to where we are now. Yeah. Which is like two people just developing over time because yeah. we've, we're like, what, only a few years apart really in age as well. Are we? Yeah. I think I'm 92.
1: I'm 93.
0: Yeah. So there we go. We're, yeah, not, you know. that di- we're not that different no, in age. No, um, no But so we much. sort of very much developed in doing stuff pretty similarly. Yeah, Like In terms definitely. of like where our career was going and what we were doing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of like interesting to have watched you do a whole bunch of different things and sort of get to what you've been doing now, which yeah. do, do, you f- do you feel like in the creative arts was exactly where you thought you would be or a little bit like...
1: Yeah, always. I kind of have ended up exactly. Well, not exactly. I had other plans for myself, but yeah. I knew I was going to be an actor. I knew I was going to work in the arts in some way, and I knew I was going to be involved inside of business. Yeah, which is weird. Like I started acting and modeling as a kid, and yeah. I still act and model now. I once I hit high school, my two best subjects at school were drama and business. Like I came first in business in my year and second in drama. Oh, my and now I'm a business manager for a company that provides advice to people working in creative arts and I'm an actor <laughs> <laughs> and all of my jobs surround those things. So I was like, yeah, I was very predictable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Was that like, so that was always your goal when you were younger?
1: Um, I think so. It's so funny that you asked that because my, me and my sister used to do this thing in school holidays where we would write down a note and it would be like, you know, your name, your age, who you had a crush on. What did you want to do when you grew up? What's a secret that you haven't told anyone? And yeah. then we'd just write them in private, put them in an envelope and, and write a date on the year that you could open it again. And oh. it was always in like 20 years time or 15 years time. Yeah. And I found one the other day and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is one of those letters. And I opened it and it was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it said actor or model. And I'm like, what the heck? And at this time I was like six or seven. And I was like, what the heck? (laughs) I predicted my own future. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I guess it's always something I wanted to do. Yeah. Because I was doing acting classes and modeling as a kid. And I sort of got into it because um, I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. I was quite an anxious kid. Yeah. Now I realize that. (laughs) the personality that I was then hasn't changed all that much. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So I was just kind of in that phase where I was being bullied and I was not super confident in myself and I was trying to please everyone and drama class was somewhere where I could have fun and I didn't have to do anything for anybody else. I could be myself. I could be silly. I could, you know, let loose and do do what I wanted. Mm. And it was like one of those moments where I really felt like me because i wasn't trying to do something for someone else yeah um and that and i you know it was a really safe fun environment so i think that's where the love of it came from it was kind of a necessity at the time and it helped me build my confidence and all that kind of thing but yeah so i fell in love with it then as Mm. much as my (laughs) my poor mom was like oh it's just a phase she won't want to be a performing artist forever And then it's years (laughs) later. Yeah. Yeah. Soz mom,
0: years later, haven't stopped.
1: (laughs) Haven't stopped. She's accepted it now. I mean, (laughs) not that she she's always been supportive, but yeah, I think she wanted me to do something more stable, which I think every parent does.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think like, you know, especially when your your child especially I think also when your child's been bullied and everything, you don't you just kind of think that the arts is a phase or like getting into acting and stuff to boost your confidence is just a phase. Mm. Um but yeah, I th- I think that was very yeah that's very similar to you know a lot of people's you know experiences as well as my own just like mm. using drama and and like probably just probably more also like entertainment where it was like studying the, like electronics and stuff yeah. it was a way to absorb that knowledge and avoid the outside like turmoil of people bullying you and you yeah. know being different. Um, because, you know, uh, and, and something I didn't know about you, which I know you mentioned to me, like, um, that you had dyslexia or you have dyslexia. You can't just do like, um, which that must've been very hard at school for you.
1: Well, the funny thing is I didn't know until I was like 24. Really? Yeah. So I went the whole way through school, the whole way through university, not knowing, thinking that everybody else has to read a line five times before it makes sense. Or everybody else has to be careful what they you know rewrite things because they've written words back to front or written words from the end of the sentence and put it at the start of the sentence or so, you know and like I was sitting I would sit in class and a teacher would explain something yeah and it was just like what the heck did that just mean <laughs> what did they say? and it would take me a while I'd have to go home and through doing my homework yeah and by going over things over and over again I'm like oh that's what that means so I just. It just took me longer to get stuff and I wasn't a good reader and I'm not a good writer, but now I realise why. (laughs) I kind of through school, I think I did well enough, like I got good marks, so it kind of flew under the radar and I didn't know any different. So I didn't know that other people had a much easier time of doing things and it wasn't till I was like 24, we were away on holidays with my family and we were playing Trivial Pursuit. Yeah, And I kept saying like statues back to front and I kept using like saying a word, trying to say a word uh. but accidentally saying something that meant totally different but kind of sounded the same. But ah, Did that make sense? Yeah, And And mum just sort of said uh, off the cuff like, oh, yeah. And I think I, I said something like, oh, I swear I'm dyslexic, you know, just joking about it. Mum said, you know, sometimes I think I might have been dyslexic. So you never know, you might be. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I just started the process of, like finding out, um, yeah. I thought, oh, well, I might as well find out. And then I found out, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fully dyslexic, <laughs> which is ironic for my, you know, as an actor and yeah, particularly as a presenter, you know, being a presenter with dyslexia is, you know. That's challenging. Its challenges, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. But,
0: but I mean, that's, that's also incredible that you've gone through the majority of your life not realising yeah. that. and then and... doing
1: the test, I was like, oh, wait, people don't do that? Is yeah. That people can do this? What? <laughs> Yeah, anyway, it kind of just, it was good. For me, it was a reassurance of like, oh, I'm not stupid. Yeah. I always thought I was dumb um, through school. And now it's like, oh, I'm actually really intelligent. I'm just dyslexic. So yeah. it was just for me, it was like a, a reassuring thing. of like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm it's not stupid.
0: <laughs> and you're definitely not stupid. <laughs> you're definitely not stupid. Oh, um, yes. But I mean, like, th- that's interesting because, you know, like with dyslexia, it's very similar to my condition, which, Hmm. you know, because the way, you know, like whenever I talked about people to about ADHD Hmm. is your attention deviates. So it's sort of, there's a big misnomer about my condition, which was kids with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder would be troublesome kids. Hmm. It's not the case at all. Most of the time our attention So I did a bunch more research into it quite recently, but I found out, and this explained a whole ticking like ticked a lot of boxes for my childhood. Yeah, you're Uh, like, wow. Yeah, and one of them was like, you have unstable relationships sometimes, especially during puberty, Ah. because your emotional state is higher than most others. So therefore it's harder for you to rationalize things. Mm. So therefore people might get frightened or feel intimidated by how overly stimulated you might get so say like you have an argument with someone someone with adhd or any sort of like um you know disability in in the similar nature will counteract it with having a higher emotional state due to it they'll find an argument more impactful to them whereas someone might just think yeah it's just a small argument they will take it as a Oh, that was really quite hard, hurtful, and you know, um, quite mean. Mm-hmm. So things like that were really tricky when I was a teenager, and especially um, early teens. Yeah. But I mean, like being on top of it more now. But it's so funny because, like, yeah, it also comes down to like the way words are. You know, like you as with similar to dyslexia, you're reading words back to front. They come out in the wrong yeah. order. Yes. You verbalize things completely in the wrong way. Yeah. Um, so, sort of
1: channel between your brain and what comes out. of your Yeah. Like, whoa, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen?
0: And I think the one thing I learned is teenagers and, and sometimes adults, like they take, there was always this sign I didn't ever want to, I was embarrassed to tell people, especially when I was an adult, because I was mm-hmm. so ashamed of it during my teenage years to tell people I had ADHD or like any sort of learning disability because I wanted to appear normal. Yeah. So, I found whenever I was in a work situation and someone was like, God, you're irritating. Like they, you know, I oh. used to get this and I th- still do what? occasionally. It's very awful. Um, oh gosh, these people sound
1: awful.
0: But you know, people are just very kind of like, I don't think, I think some people just can't comprehend stuff in their world unless it's clearly explained. And mm. um, I remember saying to these people, it's like, oh yeah, I have a learning disability. And they're like, oh oh, okay, that's fine. I was like, I don't think excuse the fact that you're just a horrible human being. Yeah. Like, I think that just makes you feel like what you said was okay, and that's not. Like, um, yeah, and I feel like there's this big... um, I don't think it happens for everyone, but I do think that if you are a bit different, it can happen more often, Mm. and especially what the world deems normal, and I think that... I know, like if I'm excited about something, I'm really excited, like it's not unnoticeable. Mm-hmm. And so that can be quite overwhelming for some people who are less like, they're more like, oh, you know, just, oh boy, um, <laughs> yeah. and that's fine. But you know, it, it generally waxes and wanes. And so, yeah, it's a very kind of emotional state um, thing, but also yeah. we have a thing recently, it was described to me as a high dopamine, Like, you know, like, so when you get, uh, when something new happens, you get a huge amount of dopamine. So you just keep going for that new thing until the dopamine effect wears off and then you find a new, new thing. So that's how your brain works. So it's really interesting. Like for ages projects had to, would, I always knew had a small long, like they didn't have a longevity, so they were quite fast. So now that I'm older and I'm able to keep a long, you know, like that dopamine effect, at least even Mm. it's able to keep project's long going, but before oh. it was when I was younger, it was very hard to keep anything more of an interest over a, probably like a month or two. It oh, was just kind of like I'd get bored and then I'm like, oh, next thing. Like it was just yeah, the yeah, way yeah. my brain was wired. Wow. Um, were, you, were you excessively bullied though for your dyslexia? Like do, you without realizing that you had dyslexic when you were young?
1: Um, I was never bullied for that. Um, my bullying experience in primary school was quite short-lived because my mum jumped on it real quick um
0: that's good on mom yeah
1: thanks mom <laughs> yeah i think she just noticed i didn't think i realized i was fully being bullied yeah um well i i did i meant i felt crap about myself and someone was making every lunchtime and recess really awful yeah but mum was noticed that i didn't want to go to school and i wasn't eating before school and i'm someone who eats a lot and i had a very crazy metabolism yeah as a kid. like i'd normally have you know Cereal and toast before breakfast you know, before yeah, yeah. school, whatever. And so, yeah, mum kind of noticed that I wasn't eating as much or I didn't want to go to school yeah. and I was getting nervous about going to school. And so she just quickly went into the school and was like, something's going on. Oh. I found out who it was and moved me to a different class. And then I had a, um, someone in the a couple of years above me to keep an eye on me just to make sure that it wasn't still happening. So Aww. it only actually lasted probably maybe under half a year or something. Oh, that's great. Moved. Yeah, so thanks, Mum.
0: <laughs> that's really good parenting.
1: Yeah, she just noticed it straight away and jumped on it, went straight to the school and made sure they did something what
0: about it. Were they just saying horrible things to you?
1: Um, There was one, there was sort of, it kind of happened because I had a best friend at the time, Elizabeth, mm. and she moved to a different school. And so I had to sort of find new friends. And mm. there was one girl in particular who I was a really nice, sweet kid. And so you still are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just there was a person who was taking advantage of that. Like yeah. she would make me do everything for her. Um, she'd make me carry all her stuff. Like she oh would god, around yeah. my, like this yard and I'm having to carry all the stuff and One day she, like, squished her fruit into my hair because she didn't like that I had blonde hair. So she was like, yeah, let's make a different colour. So she was squishing, like, her, like, I think it was an orange or something into my hair. Oh, my God. She would, like, eat my lunch. She would, um, yeah, tell me that, like, you know, my uniform looked ugly because I had weird knees or, like, just kind of things to make me feel bad. And Or she would do the thing where, um, I can't think of an example, but that thing where you constantly felt like you were having to do more to please her. Um, yeah. She'd always be disappointed. Like, I wasn't good enough. Oh or whatever. my God. Yeah. Anyway, now I'm like, wow. <laughs> now that I think about it as an adult, at the time I just kind of thought I wasn't being a good friend to her and I didn't understand why she didn't like me. Yeah. And I was trying to do everything I could to be a good friend. And yeah, it wasn't until I didn't want to go to school that mom was like, hang on. That's yeah. so
0: interesting. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And then I got moved to a different class and made new friends. And I'm still friends with the girls that I made friends with as a result of that.
0: That's all, so, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. that is that is something to cherish right there. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's a very small pact of people that you can still be friends with. Yeah. Like, and how... I
1: went through primary school and high school. And some of those girls I even went to preschool with before I went wow. to <laughs> yeah, so through that. Yeah, I've literally known them for like 25 years. And I'm
0: 28. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's insane.
1: Yeah. Which is, yeah. I think I think to thank mum somewhat for yeah, that. Because yeah. she saw the signs where I didn't even realise I was being bullied.
0: I, I It's hard as well for kids to realise they're being bullied because you mm. just.
1: You feel shit, but you don't really know why. Yeah. You feel anxious and you don't really know why.
0: Yeah. I think I, <laughs> I think it's definitely like, um, like I unfortunately just was pulling through <laughs> tired of school so it was just oh. awful but i think awful. um uh in my situation i've been much more happy since i left school like school yeah. was not something i particularly wanted to remember it's yeah, the, like the last 10 years have been great yeah. um i mean they've obviously like adults can also be shit like that yeah. you know adults are just pains in the asses i i don't get it because oh, i God. think I sort of say to people, it's like people, you know, it's like the thing, when you're nice to someone, it's the generosity people still think is an advantage to take. Yes. And that is 100% true. Like mm. there is no possible way that being nice to people, someone's not going to abuse that with power. Like, yeah. and, and then turn it against you. Yeah. Like no matter what they want to do, they're going to turn mm-hmm. that generosity against you. And then it's yeah. awful. Um, but, you know, it's the... As I say, um, it's a kind of like also just a he said she said kind of world as well. Unfortunately, yeah. And you've always got to be careful. I've learned this very recently. <laughs> you've always got to be careful about who you tell what to yeah. and how you um, and how you approach people because people just turn a, uh, a scenario or something against you, and suddenly it's just like. You can have a conversation with someone that means nothing. And yeah. then someone like someone will just go, no, nah, that meant a lot. And it's like, did it though? And everyone would just pounce on it. Like oh. this is why I hate social media because yeah. everything's, you know, taken out of context and no one really knows, you know, what actually happened. And I think everyone bases yeah. it entirely on just who said it first, yeah. <laughs> which is so dumb. Like that's, I think, um, why I particularly with like the, the the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard like fiasco Mm. i stayed far away about my opinions on that yeah because i was like realistically i don't think both of them had a very healthy relationship that was it maybe they
1: weren't good for each other yeah i mean who knows yeah who knows what happened in that situation
0: um but you know the whole world wanted an opinion the whole world
1: can you imagine everyone having an opinion about your personal life like i'd hate it yeah i'd absolutely hate
0: it um Fuck being actually in the public limelight. (laughs) Like, I love the idea of being a personality in the limelight, but not actually everyone investing. Your life
1: dissected by people who know nothing about you.
0: Yeah, and then assume the assumption of knowledge. And it's just like, you know nothing. I
1: suppose in those moments you just have to focus on the people who know you and just yeah. keep the good people in your life and just try to not to worry about what the public thinks. Yeah.
0: I I, I imagine, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Look at us, the highest profiles. <laughs> yeah. We
1: know exactly what it'd be like. Yeah. Just, just, just <laughs> guys.
0: Um, anyway, this is my famous radio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, But no, like, so yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, especially because, you know, I think you are such a confident person now um especially on the outside, <laughs> yeah, which you mentioned, and but it's interesting because we had we have also had personal conversations on set mm-hmm. and offset, yeah, as well, which I think you're very humble, and that's why I've always loved talking to you, but it's oh, sort of um, yeah, like you're always kind of like a very self conscious person, you've been you are quite anxious, yeah, um, which. If people look at you from afar, they probably would have would, no idea. Yeah, yeah. Like
1: I hide it as best I can. But with people I'm comfortable with, yeah. like you, and I feel in a safe space, then I'm very open about that. Yeah, but, yeah.
0: You were always quite anxious, though. Like, mm. and like, what did yeah. that? What? What? Particularly now, makes you very anxious. Versus what was it like when you were younger?
1: I think the same things. And again, um, realizing I was anxious didn't come till I was older. Mm. Um, and until I went into therapy because I didn't actually realize it was again that thing I think my psychologist says because I'm high functioning that I just keep going yeah I yeah. just keep going keep going and it was because my my body kept sort of shutting down every time I had was too busy and had too much on and I was like oh what is this and so it got to the point where I needed to see a psychologist and yeah got diagnosed with anxiety and I was like oh and depression I was like what I you know I had these things and then yeah you realize all of the stuff but I think to answer your question, the things that make me anxious and that made me anxious then is probably the same. And I think, I think it's because I tie my self worth into helping others. Yeah. And so I'm so busy, I busy myself helping other people, and yeah. then I then myself gets sort of left at the wayside. So I think that's something that makes me anxious. Something that makes me anxious is doing something new for the first yeah. time, because I again I'm also a perfectionist so I like to do things well so I get anxious when I don't know that I've done a good job or I don't think I've succeeded so that's for me to just work through and be like Wendy whatever you did will be fine <laughs> um yeah so and disappointing people that's yeah. a big one yeah I hate disappointing people if I've or if I've made hurt someone by accident or feel like they're disappointed in me like whoa the cycle the spiral I go down after that is yeah
0: yeah yeah that's that's like I didn't I didn't realize your spiral for like helping people and disappointing it's weird isn't it yeah
1: yeah quite a new revelation (laughs) I was like oh yeah
0: because I always had an inkling I think when we first met I had an inkling that you were sort of like an anxious person yeah right but I didn't I definitely didn't know like to what extent because it Mm -hmm. was like I think at the time I hadn't seen a the therapist either. Yeah. So it was like. Yeah,
1: I don't think I had by, when, when did we meet?
0: 2017.
1: So. I, I actually can't remember. It was, <laughs> I don't know if I'd seen someone by that point. I don't think I had.
0: I think I started seeing someone in 2018, like in terms of therapy. Um, it was, actually, yeah, yeah, it was. was.
1: I can't remember because I first went to see a psychologist because I thought that I was just a bit stressed. And I was like, oh, I'm stressed all the time. Yeah. I just will talk to someone about it to get some more coping mechanisms for that yeah and then the can of worms was opened yeah.
0: i i think mine was a realization after a relationship yeah right um and just one of my friends was just like that relationship wasn't healthy for you um huh. and i don't think your self-worth oh. is it, like i yeah. think you have low self-worth so yeah. maybe go and see a therapist and oh, wow. Look, I I think for me, I mean, like uh, you know, I stupidly dated someone who was awful or, or again after even seeing a therapist who was not good for me, which right. wasn't helpful. Um, but you know, it's been 3 yeah, 3 or 4 years now of therapy. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's amazing what therapy does. Like I'm oh, on incredible. I'm on um medication which reduces my anxiety because I have high like if i don't take it i have a high level of anxiety um but at which to the point where it was quite debilitating like i from my experience um especially with the previous relationship it was in 2019 i was so in fear of doing this person any wrong that I, i would just get panic attacks if yeah. ever they were upset with anything and i was just like Aww. um you know and, th- and this person sort of like knew they had a big power i mean they had problems of their own and which didn't help as well so it was like undiagnosed their yeah. own mental health issues and yeah. i think to the extent of that um yeah it was a very much running a- running around like a-, a headless chicken sort of like yeah. trying to Put out spot fires. Yes, and, exactly what you mean. Yeah, and yeah. so nowadays, I've also had the ability to take a step back mm-hmm. now and reflect on what I've done and try and do less, less like yes, and know what you are capable what of. What you're capable
1: like, of. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, which before, like, I would have been like, yeah, I'm capable of everything, and and not being able to deliver on half of what I was actually capable of doing. Yes, like, I do that too. Um, which I think. Yeah. Like, was that the same experience? Like, because you've been, you've also had a pretty like healthy, you know, friends and relationship as well, Mm. but you know, um, yeah. (laughs) Fingers crossed.
1: (laughs) We've always got those dodgy ones in there. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But I
0: mean, like, you know, um, I think from an outward perspective, it's been, you know, like, has it been okay for you or like, what was your kind of experiences with anxiety? Like, especially when you do like projects and stuff with friends, like, um, Mm -hmm. Has it been quite high pressure to be like, I've got to deliver every time you do a project or are you kind of able to step back and realise your zone these days?
1: Yeah, that I haven't felt that as much. Um, I feel it more when I'm doing like a new role. Like say, as an actor, I'm pretty fine now. I'm very comfortable, love it. Any kind of project, if I'm acting yeah. in it, like I'm just great. But if I'm in a new role like ADing or producing... yeah. Then, And if it's for someone else, then the anxiety can come in because I want to to do a good job. And if I hadn't done that before, then it's quite anxiety-inducing. But, yeah, I kind of have learned how to cope a bit better with that. Mm. Um, Different techniques that I need to use to recheck because it's also that mean voice in your head that's telling you you're not good enough. Yes, It's trying to recognize when it's happening because it can happen in the most creative of ways that you don't even realize it's happening. Mm. Just to recognize, no, that's that's the evil voice in my head telling me I'm shit, but I'm not shit. I'm actually good. So trying to recognize when that's happening and just acknowledge it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay. And then maybe like meditate or do some yoga or whatever and chill out. <laughs> and then that helps. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? How do you find oh, your anxiety I de- <laughs> now?
0: <laughs> I it, Generally, I have the ability to sometimes procrastinate. It depends like... <laughs> I always say like my anxiety comes in waxes and wanes, yeah. um, because like these days I'm able to get very on top of projects, but generally also I put projects, some projects off, you know, depending how prioritized I need to put them, mm. um, or just generally like. But I do feel like I get this high anxiety to please people and make sure yeah. I'm doing a good job. Um, like for a project we've working on, um, we've worked on together. For that, I'm about to start making, editing it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think one of my biggest stresses is not so much presenting a, a, a final product because yeah. I know, you know, in terms of these people, is like their first attempt of making something this big, and yeah. and um, in terms of film, but I do want to deliver on the fact of just they're happy with it, and that is a mm. very like because I know there's elements of it that I look at it and go with more experience, this could be, you know, better or, or this, you know, because you always do that when you watch anyone's yes. films, like it's just a natural part of it. Yeah. But I don't want to deliver something that they look at and go, they're unhappy with because they have to be like at the end of the day, it's their project and yeah. they've got to be happy with the product. So that is puts a big pressure on me. And I think yeah. it's because I'm working with someone like Lucy mm-hmm. who is so driven and she is like, love it a bit, and she is so driven, but it mm. also can be quite intimidating how driven she is. Like, you are
1: also one of those driven people. I, I know, you know I know. Like, the I thing is, you and Lucy and go, they're two very driven people. It's it's funny because <laughs> I see you in that light too. Thank you. It's <laughs> the sure funny sees you in that light as well. She does, <laughs> and I
0: love it a bit. And I think it, it's funny because our clashes we've only had a couple of clashes where we both right. see because we're both driven people and we're like, we prioritize things that we do like we're very kind of like we need to do this and um i love that about it but you know she is i mean for me it was also just like the thing i'm excited for is to watch her be really excited by it because i want her to like at the end of the day i I did it i when she initially asked me to be involved Mm. I was like, oh yeah, sure. But I don't think at the time I realized how big it would be.
1: Yeah, we never do. No, and isn't <laughs> that we? funny?
0: Isn't that funny how and, and ironic yeah. that um like by the time this comes out, I'll probably be done editing it. But you know, it's very funny because I often look at that scenario and go, God. That's actually way bigger. But then I also think about the things that I do. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna go, say. Yeah, it's it's I mean, no you put different. A mirror here yeah, like, yeah, I know. Okay, <laughs> just like,
1: you've achieved the hy- well. hypo, uh,
0: like the <laughs> hypocrisy here. I'm well aware. <laughs> but there's a difference when
1: it's your own project. Yes, and the pressure you feel when it's someone else's. Yeah, and I yeah. think
0: um, you know I, I see you know like like with you, like I see myself and Lucy working together like for years to come. But it's mm. it's one of those things that it's just like. You know, when you meet someone as driven as yourself, it is quite intimidating to be like, because you expect only you, but this is someone who I remember also being and and being this 20-year-old or like early 20-year-old going, Yes, I can take on the world and I can yeah, do everything. Fearless, it's like fearless. And everything. you're like, yeah. oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I forget all that. So, you know, kudos to her because she's she's phenomenal. But um, yeah, it's like. Yeah. The... Never
1: lose that fire in your belly, Lucy. If you're no, listening. I know.
0: <laughs> it, it, I hope she's listening. She probably will listen to this because <laughs> she knows about this. Um, but no, she, you're an angel, Lucy. I love you. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I, one thing I loved, absolutely loved, and I think I also got it from her. And this was at like uh, her her level of bluntness Mm. like um she's very honest she's very open about like you know um what she likes and what she doesn't like and i love that about her it's like you know but i took that away recently when i sort of like met her and i was like perfect this is like a a nugget of someone else though i'm like
1: because you're not having to decode what they really actually yeah Which is one such a challenge, particularly you, isn't it? Mm. when you're editing, is that trying to understand what their vision is if they don't know what it is themselves or they're not good at communicating that. Yeah, that can be really stressful. Um,
0: <laughs> but I, I feel like also with you, you're very am- ambitious. You're, you know, you're such a hard worker. You are. I yeah. uh, like. I think um, <laughs> one thing I've always loved about you is the fact that you're such a hard worker and you've always mm-hmm. done so much. Um, yeah. But you know, it doesn't. Sometimes to my own detriment. I know.
1: <laughs> I know. This is one of the things that causes me so much anxiety because I do so much. Yeah. And I don't know how to stop or say no.
0: I. Although I
1: have said no to stuff recently, so I'm very proud of myself. For that. I am so proud of you. Anyway, back to what you were saying. Sorry. No, I love. The, I love segue. the fact that
0: you you said no to it, and um. But you know, I also what I love absolutely is the fact that I always can come to you with an idea. Or anything that will, you know, because I know um, you and I will work on things in the, in the future and other things that are Do completely I? different. But I I mean, one of the things I love about you is you always ask questions and you always go, Marty, I don't understand something. So just tell me. Yeah, And yeah. you're always like, I have a list of questions. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's great because with you, I never feel like there's this. um, And I don't know if that's just come from natural, like us just knowing each other now. Mm. But also, I feel like that was always the way with us because Mm -hmm. we're very similar in mindset of how we approach work. Yes. And um, it always comes down to good work ethic. Yes. Like, you know, a good personality, able to kind of get along on set and, you know, be at ease. Yeah. But also, you know, the, the other thing is it's just... You know when we were all, when we were thank oh God, and I've to- talked about that bad day so many times in this podcast. That one bad day we had on shoot, which was the shoot we were doing together recently. Back in, no, the old the, one. The old oh, one. yes. And um, and I I remember just like it was the first, <laughs> second time or third time Wendy had met me, and I remember just yeah. going, Oh God, this is the worst professional shoot I've been on. Like, oh my God, this is the worst. I'm running it, and by the by the end of it the was day, not your fault. No, I I know it wasn't my fault, but it was like so nice because I had um, we had two other amazing actors there yeah. as well, yeah. um, Freya and Isabella, and God, all three of, all three of you just went. This day was not your problem, like problem, and I was like, I feel so bad, and it was just look, it was a lack of communication, it was. Oh, sort of don't
1: feel look we were no, all inexperienced and yeah. yeah and it was you were vi- doing the best you had with the resources that you had
0: yeah and i think it was just i i know the people who knew me from like i was working with a couple of people who knew me from tafe and they're very like they know me very well but yeah. i think they also just were like this is a very challenging day like even and mm-hmm. one of my really good friends Todd who was the sound recorders on the day mm-hmm. was just like yeah don't stress about that day. I was like, I'm. Whenever a bad, whenever a bad day, there's also the thing that my anxiety does. If a bad day happens on set, I get so stressed. If someone thinks I'm yeah. unprofessional, it's like oh, the end of the earth. to me I would never
1: describe you as unprofessional, but that day was hard for a few reasons as well. And a couple of people, including myself, may have lost focus for a period of time. Look, we were we so were on set for day.
0: like 13 hours. It was not, yeah. and we left. We weren't meant to be. I think it was meant to be a 10 hour day. Yeah. And then we went over and, oh so uh oh, so many things fell apart on that and and I was so um not miffed but I was so disappointed that it, not enough was shot. It was 10% yeah. of what was uh, was shot and none of it was actually e- even capable of being made into anything which was unfortunate. So I have yeah. all this footage which looks okay and I just could not do anything with it. It was like really oh. sad. But yeah. um Kudos to you, kudos to Isabella, um, um, and kudos to Freya, who all came and did it. Um, And yeah, it was like, um, I know that is one of the ones that I want to redo later on, but it's sort of like, I will go in with a very stronger like team of behind the scenes people so it can get done Done. in the time frame and no one's no one's kind of just waiting around because that was something that drove me nuts was probably how much waiting around
1: there was yeah it was a lot of waiting around and it a lot of not communicating from a certain person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, we learned how much did I know, I know, right. I know. But right? so think of it in a good light. In a yeah, good light. That's it not a word. A good, in, in a, a, a good light, light. Um that yeah. it was a huge learning experience for me and for you and for everyone. So I know. It served its purpose. It did. might it have did. been a shit day for you <laughs> mostly. But we all learned something.
0: Um but I loved though about, about you as well. Your optimism on set <laughs> is just so so good. <laughs> it's so delightful. Um, but, yeah, you've always been a delight. Like, I think, oh. um, you know, it, it, even the last film we did with Lucy mm. together, um, you were just absolutely buzzing on set. You were just very happy to say hi to people, even in between scenes and check on people. But you were also hyper-focused on what you were doing. Yeah. So you had this really good work Like and personal balance, like you weren't stressed about like too much going on. Was that always? Is it it internal or is it?
1: Um, actually no, because again, when I'm performing, it's I'm just so comfortable. It's where I love being, so I just enjoy it. I'm very strong on the like on the is it a motto? I don't know of (laughs) taking your work seriously but not yourself. Yeah. So and I also know how important it is because everyone's so stressed on set. Mm. And how much someone's happiness or cheeriness or willing to go with the flow or can just lift the mood. Yeah. If everyone's feeling down, then everyone's feeling down. But if I can just come in and if I can make one other person feel lifted, then I've done a good yeah. job. You know, like, yes, it's my role to be very focused when the act, when action is called and I can zone in and be there. But. When cut is called, that's when I feel like, oh, it's my time to like lift up the mood or help where I can. If that person looks stressed, is there something I can quickly do to just help? Yeah. So I like, I think there's a responsibility as an actor, like, yes, it's an important role and it's a stressful role. But when you get to the day, like for me, I've done a lot of the prep work already. So I'm there to do my thing. Um, Whereas everybody else behind the scenes, you're running around doing a million miles, a million things. So if I'm not in a scene and I'm on set, like maybe I can help out someone and- (laughs) make their day slightly easier. Yeah, so, you're yeah. a
0: jack of all trades with like doing all sorts of things. Like <laughs> what? Be. Yeah, because you've done first AD and you've done producing. Like mm-hmm. how, why those particular as well? Was it just the interest?
1: Um, the first, yeah, um, good question. Uh, producing, I've stepped into that more to have control over creating my own projects and yeah. creating acting opportunities for myself. That's mm. where it started. And that has led me into working for a film production company now, mm-hmm. um, which I'm loving because I'm actually learning how projects get off the ground and how hard it is. Um, and then the AD just came because someone needed an AD and I was like, oh, I'm a kind of organized person. Sure, I'll do it. Um, and I loved it. Like I love doing, being an assistant director, first AD. Um but I guess I didn't know what I didn't know. I thought I was like, yeah, I kind of know what this job is. And then I got there and I was like, wow, there's so much I didn't know. Yeah. So that week where I was assistant director on a film and on a short film, I think I learned so much in those four days. Yeah. And yeah, which and I also like to understand other people's roles. Cause that's something that I would say on that day. The, the bad day we'll name it maybe yeah. I don't like being called I don't like that, that our, lear- our day of learning, learning yeah. our day of learning <laughs> the one thing I realised on the day of learning is I didn't know enough about everybody else's roles yeah and how much pressure there is on other people and I didn't know how important it was for me to be switched on when you needed me to be switched on and that's something that I've now learnt by doing ADing by producing by helping the sound guy by helping yeah. the runner now I'm like oh, like this is what I need to be doing as an actor. This is what's important. And that's something I didn't know on that day. And what I do know now is when they call action, you have to be focused and you have to nail it first go because there's a million other things happening. It's 100% true, yeah. So I think that's another, the more other roles that I do, it just makes me appreciate what my role as a, of an actor is and how yeah. important it is to be yeah, switched on focus and ready to perform when you need to be performed. You know, you don't have a take or two to just warm up into it, which I kind of used to think that, yeah, that was okay. Yeah, yeah. But now having seen everything behind the scenes, I'm like, no, if you get that in two takes, great. You've got two takes to get it, we move on. So <laughs> now it's, yeah, I have a very, that's one thing that I would say if we look at how both you and I have grown over the years mm. and we've known each other. For me, I think that's my biggest takeaway is that I understand how important it is to be. Yeah,
0: and also on. you, and and also like um, I know there's something that people kind of forget about. You know, post work and stuff. It's laborious. It's very tiresome. Yes, and it's, it's
1: so much pressure. And it's yeah. And another thing is particularly in professional projects. is yeah. People don't always save enough money for it. In budget at the end. So you guys are one of the most... The editors, in my opinion, are, like, so incredibly important Mm. and sometimes the most overlooked or the undervalued, which is a big problem because Um, you guys make or break a film.
0: And it's it's also just... It's laborious as a job. Like It's so tedious. And I think the thing that I've learned quite recently is actually how long it takes more so than it... Because I just did a Mm. short and it took me overall it wasn't very long it was like five minutes in length it's going to be released soon i'm very proud of it um and it's for a charity but it took me to edit the physical vision probably a couple of weeks and then to do the sound work on and off between the animation getting sent through and you know had a whole bunch of animation animation took about two to three months to do yeah and then sound design and stuff took me a bit of a while with composing happening also so it was just all these elements that Gosh, people's
1: jack of all trades too well i didn't even do i
0: didn't do the animation <laughs> right, i didn't right, do I the say, music how
1: did you do animation on top of everything else you know, no no you it wasn't no like i didn't no um,
0: nah, the animation was done by someone else so oh, it was right. um pretty good um <laughs> but yeah i think that's one of the things that when i tackle um lucy's thing mm. it's gonna take me a few months it's gonna yeah, they're like time yeah they're gonna take time um you know, especially because I'm doing the sound editor on one as well, like the sound design, but it's just going to take time. It's going to be so many times sitting in front of like, um, and and that's the thing, like whenever it gets released is whenever it gets released. Cause unfortunately, yeah. like, I always think that, you know, having you having the perspective of making films now, yeah. actors do forget that it takes like one to two years to actually even get a feature out there. And everyone's like, Oh, I filmed that like three years ago and haven't seen it. And it's like,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because post- the people making it aren't being paid and have to do other things. to yeah. pay their rent. This is not it. <laughs> yeah. So it
0: it just takes time and yeah. it sucks, but it it like does, and then everyone goes ooh. Uh, it's a very funny. Like, it's amazing how quickly we consume versus the effort that goes yeah. into actually making something.
1: Well, I see that a lot in my job. So, I, I feel like I. Yeah, I keep talking about work and then not explaining what I actually do. Um,
0: <laughs> Give us an elaborated story on that. <laughs> oh, gosh,
1: where do I begin? No, so other than I'm an actor, model, presenter—that's yeah. my creative work—but I also have two other jobs. One, I'm a business manager for a mm-hmm. company called Creative Plus Business, and my other job is a development executive for a film production company called In Cahoot's Creations, which is Rosie—the Lo- amazing Rosie Lords.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah, she's my
1: boss. She's the boss lady. In my other job as a business manager, Creative Plus Business is a great organization that provides business advice, education, and support and career mentoring for creative practitioners. Yep. And a lot of, and part of our business is funded by the New South Wales government. So a lot of what we do is trying to advocate and advocate for our industry being like, this is what the industry actually needs. This is the support. Like we're like one of the only supports that's available to the arts.
0: Wow. During
1: COVID anyway. I mean- Create New South Wales are doing their wonderful things, but also, yeah, outside of Create New South Wales were the only creative sector being supported in that way. So we were trying to provide support to all of those creatives who couldn't access work or, or had to, were just lost because all of their gigs were cancelled. So that job is a lot about talking to government and trying yeah. to understand what they don't know. Like there's yeah. so much, you know, like things like the creative industries hires more people than mining and agriculture combined really yeah yes and people don't know that <laughs> so there's like we're a huge like our industry is not only good for the economy it's also incredibly valuable for people's health and people's well-being and fighting you know problems in society yeah because we try to create and our industry needs to get better at this but I hope that it's getting better at helping voices be heard that don't normally get a voice. So, yeah, I think our industry is really important. I just wish, yeah, more governments understood that, but they've got their own, I know they've each got their own focuses on what they believe in, but yeah, yeah, I just wish the value for the arts was there. Part of what our job is as well is helping the creative arts be less dependent on government funding and trying to help people be more self-sufficient.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's great. That's what we need. Yeah, so Um.
1: that's, you know, what we're trying to do because yeah, it would be great if our government understood the value of our industry, but um while it doesn't, let's figure out how to be self sufficient and yeah. in you know, grow on our own.
0: Yeah, which I mean like <laughs> it is very hard, especially like when you do and and that's the thing, most short films or feature films in Australia are made on bunkers budgets. Like they Oh yeah. Um yes. and I think I learned that in the most interesting way which is whenever i write a like i wrote um i basically helped make a story with one of my friends um Felicity Keep and uh i wrote it with my other friend Shannon Browning we kind of like like brought her idea to life she wrote m- majority of the drafts and then Shannon and i just tweaked the last couple of drafts but it ended up looking at this film which we were aiming to shoot on like something like $15,000 Ended up looking at like 50,000, like wow. it just 50 to 60, just to even comprehend mm. what we wanted to achieve. And I just looked at it and went, this can't be made right now in, in terms of my skill set, but also what I can afford, yeah. which is not that. No. <laughs> um, and I'm so proud of it. It's a nice little short horror film, but absolutely like, yeah, the – the disadvantages, like I, I think, also one of the things that I didn't realize, and I learnt this doing like the Doctor Who scenes, mm-hmm. was they weren't cheap to make. No. They were never cheap to make. No. and um, we
1: have a very expensive yeah hobby. Not that it's not a hobby, but. But they just what we pursue is very expensive. It's, it's very
0: expensive. And I think the most expensive one that I made is about 10 minutes long and it cost mm. me all up about $7,000. Like all yeah. up. That was paying for food, like makeup, you know, um, equipment, everything, mm. locations. And I looked at it and I just went, yeah, I need to divide this money up to make smaller scenes and also just probably kind of cut corners where I can a bit yeah. better. which is I've heard of films that are made on less than that and have looked 10 times better, which is not to say it looked bad, but it was just like I think you've just got to know where your money gets spent, especially if you have a low-budget film. You've got to really understand that where you cut corners have to be smart, like they have to be smart and you have to know people and you have to really understand like the amount of times I've – I've either written stuff or co-created stuff, and it never gets off the ground. It's just insane. Like it, yeah, happens, it happens so all often, all the
1: time. It even happens like the amount of times I've been casted for like, you know, TV commercials that never make it. And yeah. You're like wow, they've already put so much money into that. But we have this great concept at um, Creative Plus Business called the unicorns and the workhorses. Yeah. So they're they're describing the different kinds of creative jobs that we do. Yeah. So the workhorses are the jobs that we do that bring in income, but may not be creatively fulfilling or may not stretch us or may not be roles that we're super passionate. And then you've got the other jobs, your unicorns, which are the wonderful creative things that we create to stretch ourselves because we are passionate about it, but they won't necessarily make money. So, for example, like for an actor, a TV commercial might be a workhorse. It's something that pays the bills, but it's not fulfilling necessarily. (laughs) And creating a short film is something that, you're super passionate about and is really important for you to build your craft but you don't expect it to make money. So it's like about having a balance of the things that we use our skills for that make money versus the ones that we that won't make us money but are yeah. equally important. So trying to find a balance of the two. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. I mean it's – it-
0: I think that's also great and, and something I'll probably dissect about from you after we yes, get wrapped up the yeah. podcast because we can chat m- at length about <laughs> ideas. Talk, yeah, um, but talk I,
1: about that diversifying your income and all that fun
0: stuff. But, I mean, like it, it does, it's so interesting when, you know, and I say this to anyone who, uh, you know, makes any short film, I understand that it's just hard. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah, and I'm going
1: to try and make one next year and I'm like, oh, Really? <laughs> I, am, I have an idea at the moment. Oh, I Currently can't talking with a psychologist to make sure that my concept is based in actual fact.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I will I chat to you afterwards. all about that. Yeah, th- all yeah, about that so afterwards. Watch
1: this space. I'm about to enter the world of producing and acting in. My oh, I project, love this! I'm
0: so excited. Then she's
1: yeah. You know, next year I'm, I think I'm going to be very tired.
0: Yes. Well, we can have long we can have long coffee chats and <laughs> right. and just like you know, I'll de stress you about it. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, I mean, like the, because modeling must have been kind of interesting, but also did it have negative effects on you?
1: Um, yes. In that I had some negative situations, like the modeling industry is an interesting one. It's, there's some of it that other people can see from the outside that's in fact true and happens, but there's a lot of it that you don't see. Um, Like, there's a lot of wonderful things in it as well. Like, so I traveled around um, the world. I mostly traveled around Asia just because I was tall, blonde hair, blue eyed. Yeah. And in China, South Korea, Singapore, that's very popular uh, at the time. Yeah. Which, again, was great. But also I was like, oh, why people like I, yeah, I just felt as a Caucasian person, they were like, oh, wow, you know, you've got blue eyes and real blonde hair. And I was like. But what you know don't value what the Western society value your culture. Yeah, more. Like Maybe it's just because the industry I was in, but I was just kind of disappointed with how much praise there was for the Western culture at that time, and I was just like, yeah, but your culture is so rich and so beautiful. Yeah. Like yeah. Anyway, sidetrack. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah. No, like positive and negative experiences being part of the industry, um, and some of it is some of the negative ones is the reason why I. St- Take took a step back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I had great experiences in that. A lot of the people I worked with were incredible. Like when I was living in China, one of my um, housemates was studying medicine.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. You
1: know, and I was studying business at the time. Uh, I did a business degree while I was traveling. And mm. yeah, just like the people were so dynamic, mm. and I loved being on a runway, or I loved being on a photo shoot because you've got the designer there and the creative team, the artistic director, and they've got this amazing vision for what they want you to create. And again, like acting, you just got to be a vessel to help someone tell their story. And I loved that creative side of it. I loved the photographer and, and I loved the makeup artist and the hair artist and and how the clothes can totally change a persona and Mm. just that sort of creative side of it was what I loved so much. There were other negativities about it in that I think the weight thing is mm. a very common topic. For me, I was lucky in that I was very um, confident in my own size and I wasn't really willing to do anything to change my size. You know, yeah. if I ever got told to lose weight, I'd say no because then I would verge unhealthy. You know, I, yeah. I knew what was healthy and I stuck to it, which did get me into trouble sometimes um, and I didn't get jobs because I wouldn't lose weight and that kind of thing. Mm. But yeah, in Australia, there's, well, from my personal experience in Australia, I felt less pressure to be a certain size, whereas in other countries, I felt that a lot more. In Australia, it's more about sticking to measurements because clothes might be made to fit you. So if you turn up to the job and you've changed size, well, the clothes been custom made for you. Yeah. So that was kind of the issue about having to stick to the same weight It was more for measurements and the making of clothes. But yeah, you'd go to other countries and it would be like, great, every Monday we're going to weigh you. And I'm like, um, and like in one country in particular, which I won't name, I got asked to, I was too muscular. So I got told like, can I stop working out? <laughs> can I like lose muscle? And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So like every photo shoot I had, they would like Photoshop out all my muscle and like wow. elongate my legs. And I was like, what the heck? Um, but I had some really funny experiences, like when I was leaving in China. I can't believe I'm about to tell this story. Anyway, it's embarrassing, but it's funny. So, I'll tell so I've got quite a curvaceous backside um, and I was doing a swimwear shoot. Yeah. Um, And in China, a lot of, you know, like here there's bras with padding in them you can actually get like underwear or bikini bottoms with padding in in the butts anyway so the designer said oh can you go put this on I just want to see how it looks and I was like yeah sure and um I come out she's like oh just take the padding out of the butt like take the padding out of the back and I'm like um there's no padding in there and she's like no 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 there's so the padding just take it out I'm like no 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 that's like that's my butt (laughs) and then she was like what oh my goodness. And she runs out, gets all like the other dresses and the makeup artists and the hair artists. And they all come running into the like change room being like, look, that's her actual part. And I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. But yes, I have
0: a caboose.
1: So there was like most situations like that was, that was really funny and hilarious. But then I also had situations where, uh, like I got dropped off to a job and I didn't, have a SIM card and I had no idea where I was. Oh I had no idea no one knew where I was. I'd be left somewhere and I would have to, you know, find a way to get to the shoot. Like I had this driver who would just drop you off and be like, okay, bye. And you're like, where the heck am I? Yeah. Um I, I won't go into too much detail, but I had some frightening, physically dangerous situations. Yeah. Um, which was hard. And yeah, like there's obviously a lot of um Untreated illnesses in the industry as well, and yeah. one thing that made me leave is that I realised that as a result of the kind of shoots that I would do, that could have a negative impact on someone. Yeah, um, and it had my photo shoots and the way they were photoshopped had a negative impact on someone that I, who's very very close to me, and it caused them. They, it's funny because they knew what I looked like in real life, but seeing photos and my modeling shots came up was having a negative impact and that person was suffering from um, an eating disorder. And I felt that I was partly to blame because the, you know, photo shoots that would come out, they're not real, they're photoshopped, you know, but I noticed that it was still having an impact on her. And I just went, okay, I actually got to realize that the responsibility that I have here. So I stepped back from it, and that's what really, one of the reasons why I focus back on acting. But, and now when I do photo shoots, now I have to make sure that um, I believe in the brand, because when you're working for an agency, and there's nothing wrong with working for an agency, but if you get booked for a job, you just have to do it. Whereas working for yourself, you can say, no, I don't believe in what they do, or I don't believe where the clothes are made, or they use Photoshop and I don't wanna be Photoshopped, or they have all people that look the same, and there's no kind of reflection of different bodies or different backgrounds or different abilities or different races. And so, yeah, now I only try to do campaigns that I believe in and that I think they actually care about the impact of Mm. the campaign. So, yeah, that was a brutal realisation for me of like I'm part of the problem that this industry is causing and I need to step back and I need to actually do something about it. Yeah. So, yeah, that was rough, but yeah.
0: I mean... I. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's that's something that I also like I just don't like Photoshop for that very reason. Yeah. Like I don't think you should augment anyone's no. appearance. No. Um and anyone who knows my photography, like I'd never other than colour correcting, that's all I do. Yeah. I never change any of the images of the imperfections or yeah, skin. Makes because, it sort of who we are. Yeah, it's sort yeah. of like people go, I think I've done a couple of times where like people are worried about acne. But, you know, like if it's, you know, I've done that for a couple of people, but not nothing like other than that, yeah. where it's Maybe just like.
1: Maybe if you've got a big fat coleslaw or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: just something that they're just going, I, oh, that doesn't look that great. But I'm like, I would never, if someone said, oh, I changed my white, I'd be like, no. Yeah. No, that is, that is who you are. Like, yeah. it, and I think that also comes from having my own eating disorder when I was yeah. young, um, mm-hmm. because Yeah, it's like you're observing people. Because I remember when I was young, and this happened more, um, was, and it was untalked about, was you kind of had this expectation that if you were a guy, you had to be athletic, you had to be Mm. a certain type. And I was always quite scrawny. Like I was thin, I was lanky. and But the moment I like ever thought about putting on weight, I would get worried. Like I just Mm. the idea is I always had to be a certain type of weight and stuff. And to the point of like I didn't eat that well. Like I ate very little um would go days without like you know worrying about food and then um Mm. yeah it was it was a really negative effect on me. Yeah. Um see I have a very like lukewarm and very jaded output of like how the model industry deals with with like the look of people. Yeah. Um
1: it's a big problem with the fashion industry. Yeah. It's
0: yeah. yeah. It's, it also it doesn't complement people of different sizes when you go in because yeah. there's so many there's so many girls I know who go into shops and go that is not in my size and it's so hard to find something in my size yeah. having so often like my partner every time we go somewhere her problem is that she is quite short for mm. so she's not an average height mm. and that means that we have to go to the kids section for certain things and it, you know she's fine with it now but it used to drive her mental the yeah. fact that adult clothing wouldn't be made for everyone
1: yeah it's not made for many people it's really not i mean, not. <laughs> I mean uh, yeah and i wonder how that's going to change at the moment you know it's cheaper to make everything standard but yeah. it just doesn't work because so many clothes don't fit so many people so yeah. it'll be interesting to watch that change and i and i hope that it does yeah but yeah i mean i would I wouldn't even fit into, you know, I had to model sample sizes and I wouldn't be able to fit into it myself. just couldn't fit it over my butt. Uh, <laughs> um, your big caboose. My big caboose. Uh, uh, yeah, so like, you know, if clothes didn't fit the model who yeah. was supposed to be wearing it, then who the heck is it going to fit? And I had an argument about this with, um, with uh, an agent that I had at the time because we brought in the plus size section. So on our website it was like the models and the plus size models. And I inherently had a big problem with that. I was like, no, 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 no. There should not be a, it should not be divided. No. It should all be in one. These, this is the model. And models should be of all yeah. shapes, sizes, colors, abilities, everything, because that's a reflection of the people you're selling it to. Yeah. And so I had a big problem. I was like, I don't want to be a part of this if, if there's going to be a different section from, for half the models and the other half of the models. And, and they said it was, f- it was important because people in the industry who are looking to hire those people just want it filtered that way. And I was like, mm, well, you know, maybe you could find a filter of measurements or something, but having it in two different sections on the website is not okay for me. Yeah, like, I don't. That's wrong. Mm. Anyway, it's, it changed after that, which was good. But
0: but still, it kind of makes it go.
1: But that was a long time ago. That, I'm talking like 10 years ago now.
0: Yeah. It's still happened. a little bit, it's still a little bit like that though. It's like there's, slow moving. it's it's a very, um, you know, it often bothers me as well because, you know, I remember this was an early conversation we had, but you know, I, as a strong feminist mm-hmm. as well, just representing, like making sure that, and I really hated, I think when I was younger, I was like, I thought I was trying, you know, like I knew I wasn't ticking boxes, but I felt like, society would view it as ticking boxes, like giving people equal opportunities and everything. Mm. But I was always about like gender diversity and, and um, you know, equal rights for everyone. Um, and it was just very interesting going into like having, you know, like film scenes where it was led by women or people who identified um, in different ways and yeah. just having that ability to, to put people in front of camera who are different or people behind camera who are different was mm. great, but it was often filled with a lot of that still prejudice Yeah, from before. Like we're
1: doing this because that's what society kind of yeah. wants us to do, which I hope that that is changing because I was talking about this the other day with a friend because I had to pull out of a project recently because I didn't agree with the values oh, okay. what was happening. And it just made me think of like the shift that's happening and it's, again, a very long overdue shift and I hope it continues of that. That idea that if someone has money or they find something that they want to, like say in the context of theatre, for example, it used to be that if someone just found a cool story, they thought, oh, yeah, cool, I'll tell it. Yeah. Whereas now there's a change of like, yeah, but are you the right person to tell that? Yeah. Can you tell that story authentically yeah. and safely and ethically? Yeah. Whereas that shift, and I can see that happening in other industries as well very slowly, <laughs> but I think there's the, a difference of like, yeah, when you're going to tell a story or when you're going to put out a campaign, are you sen- think of the responsibility of that and who's mm. going to be watching it, making sure you're not going to harm people in doing that yeah. and also making sure that you're the right person to be doing that. Like, are you the right person to be telling that story? Are you the right person to be putting out that campaign? Because maybe you're not. Maybe yeah. it's not your story to be told. And if it's not, step aside and let someone else tell it.
0: 100%. And I mm. think a lot of films nowadays are being told right like they're being told by the right people yeah and it has taken a while because obviously they've been told by the wrong people before Mm. and they've cast wrong they've cast controversially yeah um I think it was uh Scarlett Johansson stepped down from yeah one of the roles where she was going to play someone who was trans and then she was like actually there's
1: there's... all these amazing actors who are trans who don't get the opportunity yeah step aside And... and let someone in yeah I have a big I, problem with that. Who, when there's a, a role of someone living with a disability, and they get someone who's not, yeah, living um, with that disability to play that role, that's another problem where I yeah. have a huge issue with. Them. We
0: watched, um, my partner and I watched Midnight Mass recently, oh. and we were and one of the actors ha- is in a wheelchair, and then he's a wheelchair like, user, like isn't a wheelchair user. They oh, are well, not. the actor is there's not. He is there's not, and we had an issue with that, and I was like, I understand it's part of the plot, but also.
1: Do they have to walk at some point? They do. Okay.
0: Yeah, I, kinda, I was like yeah, I kind of right. forgive it for only that. But mm. otherwise I'm just like make it something else, like make it yeah. uh, you know, like
1: I had an issue. What, what was I watching the other day? Oh, it was that World War. Is it War of the Worlds this yes. TV series? And I saw the actor who was living who had a vision impairment, who was blind. And I was like, but the actor doesn't. And then I realized that the, that had to come on and off. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay, it'd be interesting to chat to people about whether that's okay if the person has to be able to. Anyway, but again, that has an issue in itself because yeah. of what that message sends. Anyway,
0: I think, I, think what, I think what also, you know, I think a film that did it really well recently that I watched was uh, Marvel's Eternals. And mm-hmm. they have an actor in it who in real life she is death. She is Mm. deaf, so her entire thing is she can only speak through sign language. Mm -hmm. And we were watching this film. um, I remember going, cool, there's no mention of anyone being bothered or it being really a problem that she's deaf, like, it's just a thing. And (laughs) every other character who was friends with her knew how to sign to her. And I was like, this is awesome. This is just so believable. And it's like, I think after even that film came out, there's like been a huge increase in people learning sign language. Like, it's just, Yeah, well, it
1: should be because, you know, part of our population, that's their first language. So let's learn how to do that.
0: (laughs) And I think, you know, it just goes to me, like, diversify everything and, you know, like, um, but also, like, I think it just making roles like, you know, obviously I think queer characters should play uh, or queer actors should play queer characters, but Mm. it doesn't stop them playing. Like I don't think you should also stop them if they want to play a straight character or like stuff, stuff in film. I think there's a little bit different, but if you were specifically someone who identifies as something different, maybe let them try and audition for the role first before you think of someone else. Like do it, it. But I think it comes from like, if I were to go back into acting and I was like, oh, this audition is for a gay character or a straight character, it's like, yeah, I'm bi. So I don't really get, I don't factor that in as a bother. But yeah. I guess for some people who are gay, they wouldn't want to play a straight character. They'd only want to play gay characters. Like, I totally also understand that. But I think it really, it depends on the person also who's going for it. It's, that's yeah. another issue that I'm finding. Like, it, it, there's no clear answer there. Like, it's a very yeah. tiptoe end.
1: Yeah, and I think that's – we were talking about this the other day in an acting class, um, like on this topic of what, you know, actors, women, we are chameleons. We mm. should be able to play a range of different things. But, again, I think it's that thing of ensuring that there's been an opportunity for the people with that lived experience to audition yeah. for it because they're going to bring an authenticity to that role. Yeah. And each of us have our own lived experience in certain areas. But, yeah, it's an interesting topic and I don't think, like you said, there's any right or wrong answer but I just think it's about being conscious of who you've got in the room auditioning for that role and yeah. making sure that the, the voices or certain representations are there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, as a white Caucasian person, I don't know that I'm the person to be able to have this opinion because I think those who are, have been disadvantaged in the past are the ones yeah. who should make the rules on that. Yeah. And I should just shut up and be like, okay, that's what you want, cool, I'll do I- that. <laughs>
0: But I mean like you're entitled to your opinion as well. Like I think yeah. the one thing that even though we're both um white Caucasian, we shouldn't allow ourselves not to have an opinion be- even though that you didn't like the world says shut up to that. <laughs> shut up yeah. to the Western world. I think it is important that we express support and stuff because Oh that, yeah, I think
1: like, Yeah, for me I feel like our voice has been heard and it's now time for other people to Yeah,
0: absolutely. Speak. I, I, I yeah. 100% agree with that. Yeah. I don't think we should be silenced, but I think we should also allow other voices to be heard. Yeah, we it's like our
1: privilege to open the door and allow.
0: What characters would you play That or what characters wouldn't you play throughout your career?
1: Um. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't be involved in a project. It's more about the project, I think, if I didn't feel like mm. the role... If it wasn't my place to play that role, yeah. like I've had to say no to a, a project because they wanted me to be someone who was a wheelchair user, and I said, "Oh, no. it,
0: was that the controversial one recently?" No, that was a whole other thing. Oh god, <laughs> okay, wow.
1: So, like, I say no to a lot of projects. I don't. I just want to make sure that I believe in it because I did a, I did a role once, yeah, where. I felt like I didn't give an authentic lens, and I yeah. felt wrong and uncomfortable the whole time through that production. So then I went, "No, I'm going to be careful of what I say yes to now." So the the role where they asked me to be wheelchair user, I said no. But here are a bunch of my friends who are yeah. wheelchair users who are great actors. Go audition that. Like, yeah. let's make that one authentic. Um, so yeah, I actually never told the actors that I put them forward for that. I wonder if they got it. Yeah. So I guess um, I wouldn't play someone with a disability because yeah. I am able-bodied and I think I should stick to able-bodied roles. I Everything else I'd be open with, I guess, in terms of playing a queer character, I would want to make sure maybe the story is being told by well, someone yeah. who is queer or gay or part of the LGBTQI community um, or that someone like the writer or the director or someone with yeah. that lens is in, port, is in control of it sort of thing. Um, yeah, I guess for me, it's about the team and, and maybe my role as an actor is to, of course, choose roles that I believe yeah. in, but also ensuring like the role that if I'm playing a role that I don't have that lived experience does someone on the team, have that lived experience. And then I feel a bit more comfortable because I feel like the story is yeah. told authentically. Does that make sense? It does. So it yeah, do- pretty open. I'd play most things, but as long as the, it's with the right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's, it's The right team. I absolutely agree with that, and I wouldn't like to be honest. I wouldn't ever write a story that is, um, based upon someone who's trans because I'm I'm not trans. Like, mm. um, I'm I identify as gender fluid, yeah. but that is not trans. Like no. that is that is different, and very different. Um, I feel like, yeah, if. There Are certain stories I would never write because, like, obviously, white Caucasian, I'm never going to write a story that is about anything other than white Caucasian people,
1: which is a huge problem because not everyone has that view. That, in my opinion, that's right. You know, you yeah. should tell what you know. And I'm telling so from many my experience, that go, oh, this would be a good story and write it, and you're like, no, that's cultural appropriate. It's a hundred percent, not your story to tell. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, 100%. And I love films that are you know set in different countries, made by people from in different countries because they're authentic, yeah. Um, and but I would never try and appropriate something. And if I no. were to write a story in, those set, in like set in another country, I would yeah. go and, you know, stay there for an extended period of time and write about, the, yeah. you know, my or experiences bring there. Or someone on who yeah. lives there. Like or has grown up there, you know. Yeah. Um,
1: so I think that's another thing. Like you, as writers, it's an interesting topic. Sorry, I just totally jumped over you. No,
0: I love that. I love that. <laughs> I Jump away. That Jump you. so away. Sorry.
1: You're like a train of thought and I'm like, yeah. I've got something to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How dare you? No, it's go. Going- <laughs> oh dear! And now I can't remember what
0: I was
1: talking um, about. What was I saying? <laughs> oh yeah, so talking about consultation. This is another interesting topic of as a writer. You know, uh, I was talking about this the other day with a writer because he's male and he's like. I feel like, you know, telling female stories, female characters, I have a. I feel like I have a lot of pressure to do a good job. And I was like, yeah, well, just don't make them one-dimensional and boring. Yeah, <laughs> and It's not that hard. Just write them how you would write a male character. But it was interesting to say as a writer, you have to write other yeah. people's experiences because you're creating a show or a film or whatever yeah. with multiple different opinions. So you have to kind of be able to have creative licence to write that. But I think if it's something really far beyond... Your expertise, you get consultation and yeah. you go from there, which is kind of, yeah. But anyway, I wouldn't go down that rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> I would. Because I, would,
1: I will rant to the cows come home.
0: I love that. But I love how much you rant and it just <laughs> makes my, just makes me filled with happiness and joy. Yeah, I didn't
1: realize how, like, I, I hate talking about politics, but now I'm like, actually, I am quite political. You were quite politically charged. Yeah, which I was like, oh. But it,
0: it just, it just makes me love you even more. Oh, thanks. Um, but no, I think this is a perfect point to wrap us up, Mm -hmm. but I have thoroughly enjoyed our chat. Me too. It's been, I always love hearing about you, you know, how you're doing and also just your life.
1: And it took it, like, it took places where I didn't think we're going to go. No, I know. We're going to talk about like work stuff.
0: Yeah, but we but we steered it. we talked, it. About, other things we talked about. We talked about life.
1: Yeah, we did. I hope that's interesting for people to listen to. <laughs> I we think went, so. Oh, listening to these two people have an opinion.
0: <laughs> How fucking dare them! Um, and Wendy, where can people find you on the so socials?
1: So they can find me on Instagram. Yeah. my handle is Wendy W E N D I underscore K K A Y. Mm. That's me. Go and check. And go and yeah. check her out.
0: That would be great. Yeah. Um No, but it's an absolute pleasure. It's always lovely hearing from you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely hearing chatting to you. I love our chats.
0: Yeah, it's great. And um, if you want to go and check out more episodes, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. And I'll be speaking with another guest next week. And I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. <music>